Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live the better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. This is episode 2742 of the Survival Podcast. And we got a good one today. This is called Getting Started with Jerry War Getting Started with 3D Printing with Jerry Ward. Jerry has been a, a longtime listener of the show, been around for almost since the beginning of TSP. Uh, he's been working in tech his whole life. He started off as a PC repairman. He moved into digital product management. Uh, done a lot of other stuff. He's kind of the type of guy we try to help you become around here, the guy that knows a little bit about everything, blacksmithing, woodworking, carpentry, electronics all the way to building computers and managing digital online platforms. He joins us today to talk about 3D printing. And if you've been in and out on this, this is the show you want to listen to. I went ahead and, and finally committed and ordered my 3D printer from Sal the Agorist uh, after today's show. I almost did it in the middle of it, but I having to do it with Bitcoin and all because I wanted to do it that way. didn't think it would have been very productive of me to try to do while I was listening to our guest, but... This show will make you want to own a 3D printer, and you will see that there are some things that you have to kind of play around with and learn about, but there's so much you can do without knowing any programming. And what's always held me back with 3D printing is that years ago, somebody came here who did 3D printing to one of my workshops, and it was probably at least five years ago, and things have come a long way in five years, and like... They didn't bring a printer. They just bought some stuff they printed, and they printed things like uh, a one-way airlock valve thing that you could put on top of a mason jar to uh, do fermentations, which was cool, but you really didn't need it to do that. And like a, a whistle, like a dog whistle or something. It was like, well, you can make all these little party favor things, and so, you know, you, you can make anything. Yeah, but I don't know how to program. I don't have like a 3D scanner. I mean, I... and. One thing that really flipped my switches today was a website that you'll hear about today where there are just thousands and thousands of plans you can just download for free and start printing. Now, there are a few things that you got to do with your printer to get it leveled and set up and going right, but once you get that down, I mean, you don't have to know how to design anything. Almost anything you can think of exists And if you'd like it slightly modified, a lot of times people that did the design are willing to modify it for a small amount of money. And we're even going to talk about things like uh, how you can use 3D printers to then cast metal in, in, in what's called a vanishing, vanishing mold cast, uh, cast uh, casting way. And that's something I've always thought about doing, but it was like, I'm going to go through all this crap to either carve wax or to carve styrofoam, and then I use it one time and it's gone. Well, with 3D printing, I can make as many as I want. This is just so cool. It does so much more than I ever thought it could, so much easier than I ever thought it would be. I finally got off my butt, and uh, we're even going to talk about how you can use a 3D printer and buy some parts and things like that and make your own CNC machine using a 3D printer and basically turn that little shop building or garage of yours into a manufacturing center. Now, we'll never keep up with things like injection molding and stuff like that on speed, But for the, the homesteader and the side hustler, there is a ton in today's show. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit excited about it, excited to get my 3D printer and get going. You might be yourself after our interview today. 
With that, before we do, let's go ahead and take care of our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ready Made Resources. Ready Made Resources, the company that does what it says and says what it does. All the resources for your prepping right there on their website. Uh, ready Made and Ready to Go. Point, click, and buy. Great service, great pricing. It's like a superstore. It's like a Walmart or a Costco for prepping online. Check them out today at readymaderesources.com. Remember, they've been a sponsor forever. I mean, forever. Like, 11 years they've been with us, so check them out today, readymaderesources.com. Another long-term sponsor, been with us, I think, about one month less than RMR, is knifekits.com. I mean, I talk about side hustles all the time. Knifekits is a great window into a way that you can develop a side hustle business for yourself or just a hobby and just learn to do stuff, and I'm, I'm wondering how you might combine 3D printing with knifekits.com. I'm not sure yet, but I think there's probably some ways to do that. Anyway, check them out at knifekits.com. Remember, they do a discount for members of the MSB as well. With that, let's go get on into it, and I want to say, hey, Jerry, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Hey, I'm glad you're on today. Um, 3D printing is something that's always fascinated me, but I have never jumped in. I keep promising Sal Mayweather I'm going to buy a printer from him, and then I don't do it. Uh, and part of it's because I'm sitting here wondering if I'm going to end up with another box sitting in my garage that doesn't do what it's supposed to do because I don't know how to do it. Uh, so I'm glad you have, we have you on kind of like an introductory about what we can do with it, how it all works, and, and stuff like that. But uh, – Before we dig into the 3D printer thing, can you tell us who who, uh, who Jerry is and uh, kind of what got you into what, you, what you're doing today and what led you to 3D printing in the first place? Sure. So I'm uh, about five years older than you are. You are. I graduated in the mid-80s. In high school, I did a lot of uh, shop classes, you know, metal shop welding, woodworking, all that kind of stuff. But like when they had job. it, right? Like when you right, actually when do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but when I looked to start my working career, I, I chose computers instead because it seemed like it'd be a better way to make a living, and that turned out to be the right choice for the past uh, 35 years or so. Uh, but I still had my interest in all of those uh, other things, the maker-type stuff. Uh, but the 3D printing to me is really the, the combination between uh, computers and and the machining, manufacturing kind of interest. So, And I'll be honest with you, I'm actually a new, relatively new owner of a 3D printer, but I have been following it for several years. So Uh, I kind of think I bring that balanced uh, approach to the subject, not the zealot that thinks it'll solve the world or the other people that thinks it's, uh, uh, you know, a fad that'll go away. Gotcha. So why why get into 3D printing? Why would our audience members want to do this? Uh, well, like anything else that you promoted, it is a skill to learn. And so worth learning is going to be something that uh, I believe strongly becomes more commonplace uh, over the years. Uh, whether or not there will be a business opportunity for it. I know some people have done it. Um, whether or not you'll be able to make it with the consumer-grade printers or not is questionable, but certainly you can learn on them. And then as uh, you develop the skills, it will be part of industry going forward. And once you uh, uh, start using 3D printing, you'll be surprised how much you find uh, that you'll be uh, able to use it for. I know I started playing with it. Uh, right now I'm going through a process of refreshing my go bag. And I realized I didn't have a whistle. Well, you know, five minutes of searching and uh, two hours later, I had a whistle on, printed on my 3D printer. So there is that. The parts that you print on the 3D printer will never be as good or as quick as something that has a you know dedicated injection molded type of, of thing. But, uh, you know, that's the concept of good enough. So uh, it really is uh, something that's not only fun to do, but uh, can provide those little things that you need when you need them rather than waiting to get them or driving someplace to get them. 
So is it cost effective? I mean, I've seen a lot of people with the little uh, whistles. That's like kind of one of the things people, you know, make is like a first right. thing yep. to learn or whatever. But is it cost effective? I mean, a, a freaking plastic whistle is pretty cheap. I, I, I haven't done it yet, so I don't know how much the media is. I, I do guess right. that there is the value in being able to have it now. Something right. like that, something I could probably get in a day or two from Amazon. So, like, where does cost effectiveness come in? Is there certain things that maybe it is really cost effective and other things it's like, well, it can do this and it's nice and it's experience? I mean, how does that all work out? So the electricity is almost a non-issue because uh, the printers, I've seen calculations people done, they're in the pennies per hour, you know, two cents, three cents or something per hour okay. uh, to run the printer. So that's not really an issue for most parts of the country. And then the filament that you talk about is uh, also very inexpensive. Uh, my costs right now that I'm figuring out from getting from Amazon for just, you know, regular kind of stuff, they have special things that are color changed and all that stuff. But just regular stuff is about two cents per gram. The whistle I mentioned, I think, was seven grams and took, say, two hours to print. So there's 14 cents in filament and, you know, another four cents in, in okay. electricity. So we're talking about 20 cents. And one thing I do want to mention, what I'm talking about here is is the uh, consumer level 3D printing. You know, so there are high-end printers that industries using that will print metal and all these other things. But this is uh, the consumer level, the stuff that you can buy that's reasonably priced. And prints with uh, plastic. Say three so to five hundred dollar type initial startup costs. Absolutely. Like okay. Yeah. Okay. You can definitely even if you if you are on a budget, you can get by with a well working three D printer for under two hundred dollars. Uh, but that would like to then talk about the limitations with this uh, type of technology. You are extruding plastic, so it does take time. Uh, and there are also limits on the volume. Some people they try to get a really big, you know, high volume printer, but we're still talking about you know, 250 millimeter ish, uh, cube, which is about 10 inches. And you try to print something that takes up that full size. You're talking about days okay. of a print time. So really, you know, think about those uh, small items. That's what you're doing. Like when I, I printed some uh, cable management type stuff, I got a new desk. I need to manage the cable. So, you know, it printed in within, you know, an hour or so I had a, a clip that I used, but again, small, uh, size and also small mass because one thing one thing that 3d printing does is they always try to make the inside of these things hollow and they are sort of hollow they, they do have a fill pattern in them but it's, it's predominantly hollow so the more mass you need just squirting that uh that 3d printed plastic out just takes time think about basically like a hot glue gun is what you're doing yeah and it did just there is limitations but conversely as long as you know that it to me it's works very well uh, for what you want to do Another example, with going back to my uh, go bag that I'm uh, refreshing, I want to store my flashlights without the batteries in them. So I have the uh, two C-cell mag light, and I have the three AA um, lantern, the e the lantern. Well, going uh, line, found some uh, battery holders for those two sizes, specifically three AA's and two C's, was able to print them off and have them. Uh, now, granted, battery holders are available from Amazon, but they're not available in three and two sizes, you know, they're usually mm. holding, say, a dozen uh, AA batteries. So now I'm able to get exactly what I want, even if it, you know, doesn't save me any money over going with like an Amazon. So, and again, I, it's a matter of understanding what, what it does and then making sure you're using, applying it to things that it suits well for. And we can hold off on exactly how you design your own stuff for a little bit because I have some other sure. stuff I want to cover first, but... 
it would also seem that you could do something like you could build a battery holder that was designed for that flashlight so that it's somehow attached to that flashlight so that the batteries and the light were together. Like, so you could Absolutely. do some things that, like, that product doesn't exist, and it's probably not a product that would sell well enough that that's worth building injection molding in China for. So then you could make something that you just can't get but serves your needs. Like you said, you can't get a 2C-cell two, two holder. But right. you can make one, but you could also make a two. I mean, as soon as you said that, I was thinking like you could build it with some kind of like a clip that goes the size that kind of like pressure grips the the mag light, so that when I pull that mag light out, the lights and the mag light are together. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So, what are some other limitations, like as to what they can do or what they should do? I would imagine since we're talking about plastic, like weight bearing, load bearing capacity, things like that, uh, structural integrity, there would be some limitation there. Size you um, kind of already mentioned, but I guess that like size is like how patient are you? If something takes five days to print, if I don't care, I guess I could still do it. Right, yeah. So there are uh, more expensive printers, you know, getting up in the five uh seven hundred and fifty dollar range that have larger volumes, specifically taller volumes. But again, you're just waiting for that print time. The plastic, however, is surprisingly strong. I've uh, seen some articles where people have designed printed shelf brackets. A lot of it depends on uh, what they call the infill, so that's the structure inside the, the exterior walls of the parts that are printed. And depending on the infill that you use, it can produce uh, quite a bit of strength. You know, a shelf bracket I saw was you know, holding uh, excess of 150 pounds. So oh, it's wow. very doable. Um, but again, oh, it is plastic. And one of the things to keep in mind being a hot extrusion, they call it uh, fused deposition modeling, FDM, is that it is heat sensitive. So the filament that I'm using will literally melt at about 260 degrees. That's what I'm printing at. It gets soft, uh, and that's Celsius. I'm sorry, 250 degrees Celsius. Okay. And it gets soft uh, a lot before that. So if you're uh, that's some pretty stuff freaking that, hot, though. I mean, that's that like is. if you stick it in a shed, even in Texas, we're not getting 200 Celsius. Right. That's what yeah. 424 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. No. No. We're not. So if if I ever live somewhere where a shed gets 424 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm freaking moving. Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry that 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 is Fahrenheit temperature, not Celsius. Oh, well, so in my damn right. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's, it's a minus two hundred. Like I, yeah. I, I have seen, like I was, we, I used to do head end work for cable TV mm-hmm. systems, and we had an AC. Now this is electronics in there as well, uh, right. but the AC for the head end failed, and we didn't know about it until like seven o'clock at night. So it's been all day in a Texas sun because we didn't yep. know until like customers started calling, "Hey, channels are going out intermittently," you know. Right. And that's because uh, transceivers and stuff were failing. So we opened that. We looked at the thermometer, and the thermometer went to 140, and it was pegged. So right, yeah. So there are areas where, I guess, heat would be a consideration. Then. Right. Now, there is a plastic called ABS that you can buy that's a higher temperature. But still, you're in that, you know, mid-200s, high-200s uh, Fahrenheit uh, range and before you start to get, you know, the plastic literally melts. So uh, that, that is a, a limitation. Uh, size limitation we already discussed, but it, when you think about the normal plastic items you use in your day-to-day uh, life, a 3D printing would apply to all of them. Cool. So, I mean, the easiest thing to do probably for someone getting started instead of trying to make something from scratch is to, to get a file and use it to print. Like, Because my understanding is once you know how your printer works, if you have a file – it's not much different than, you know, I write, wrote up a document this morning and I wanted a hard copy of it. And I said, hey, print this. And the printer right, prints absolutely. it, right? So where do I get files from? 
So you can just do a general uh, internet search, but the biggest one is called Thingiverse, T-H-I-N-G-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. Uh, and it has, you know, probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions by now, of items. And they're categorized, so you can search through them. Uh, so, you know, think about your aquaponics projects. There are lots of net pot choices. There's uh, bell siphon choices. Uh, the bug assault uh, a thing that you love, there's uh, things that you can accessorize that with that you can print out. As I mentioned, you know, the paper you know, clamps. That's an interesting thing. My buddy broke the freaking uh, the little door that closes on it, and there's, like, no good solution to fix that. So that would be the kind of thing. I'd probably have to make that myself, but that would be, uh, like, I guarantee you Bug Assault does not make a freaking repair kit. Right. Right? So that'd be and an interesting a, thing. Right. If it's something that commonly breaks, then someone probably has created a, a replacement part for it. Yeah, I don't know how common so, it is. This guy's good at breaking shit, but <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and then there's you know a bunch of other sites out there that are kind of more specialized. Uh, there's a big movement in uh, if you're familiar with like the tabletop games with the, the figurines and stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of places that uh, have those, even miniature cities and villages and stuff that you can print out. Um, so those are things that you start to doing searching. I, I want to hold you just for a, I want to sure. hold you just for a second here. I, I'm gonna buy my freaking 3D printer today. You okay. just you just made me an owner. I pulled up this universe okay. site, right? And the second I did, I'm like, I want that. I want that. I want yeah. that. My kid right. wants that, right? Like, wow. I right. And I guess my experience had been, I had some people bring some stuff here in the past years ago before I guess it got as big as it did. And like, you know, they were printing like lids for fermentation on a jar or a whistle right. or something, and it. I just I don't think I realized how much you could do. Right. And one uh, tech tip I'll give you for the Thingiverse site is you create a profile and then you can actually collect items. So as you scroll through and say, I want that, I want that, I want that, you can actually collect it in different collections. Uh, you know, so you can have your aquaponics collection, your bugiverse collection, bug assault collection, uh, you know, various things. I you know I got an organization. I got various ones of things I plan on printing. So uh, this is too and even, cool. Yeah, and even with the, the Thingiverse site, my uh, going back to my battery holder, the only one I could find that I liked actually held four C cells. So I sent a message to the designer. He said, "Oh yeah, I can do that," and, and, and you know, quickly. And so, well, you know, it'll have to be the weekend, but on the weekend I'll do that. So the guy created a, a two cell uh, holder for me and put it up on his site. And so now, you know, there are a lot of these people that are doing it as a hobby, and they're willing to take something that's recommended and make a modification. So. That's very cool. I mean, I'm looking at things like uh, things that are designed to hold specific power tools on a wall. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that's really cool. And, like, right. I, I am a, I am shitty at keeping organization in place, and it's because I don't have a place for everything, so I have a major right. shop reno that's going to go on right after the, this workshop. And that right. seems like a really cool thing because with a little modification, you know, those things could actually then have, like, imprinted on them what tool goes there. Yep. And, and that makes it a lot easier when you're, like, allowing your grandson to use your tools because then mm -hmm. there's a reasonable expectation that you know where this goes back. Yeah. It just seems like there's so much here that I never really realized that you can do. Yeah, that's when I, the point I got into with 3D printing is how, you know, you start looking through there. There's so many things that are actually useful. So they're not just uh, printing a toy that, uh, you know, you'll play with for a minute and say, look how cool I was with doing this. No, these are things that you will use in your day-to-day -day life.
Yeah, I'm even finding some interesting bell siphons that use like a, a way to get around um, the way that siphons get stuck. Mm-hmm. They have like a little float cutoff thing in them, and I have a new yep. way I do siphons now. But that's another thing. It's like, wow, you can you can do some really freaking cool things with this. Right, and well, the advantage of doing the 3D print is, you know, you can have internal cavities that are created at the time of printing to do that things that you need with the bell siphon that are very difficult to do if you're just building and not fitting to yourself. Absolutely. So. And that is a thing that, like, so when you start doing work with PVC, for instance, the way mm-hmm. I always describe it is pipes free and fittings are expensive. Right. Right. Like, so one little specialty fitting can cost you three or four dollars. Right. And, and damn, if that ain't the one you don't have when you need it. Yep. Right. So, yeah. Very so cool. I'll give you another example. So I have a Black & Decker workmate, like probably everyone does that does any kind of you know DIY stuff. But, you know, the plastic parts on those have broken on me. Well, they're all available on Thingiverse, the various handles and dogs and things, uh, feet. And I can just print them again, replace them. So. Yeah, it seems like anything that, that would regularly break, somebody would that knows how to make stuff would would make it. Right. Yeah. Then I mean, you make some uh, you could even make like uh you wouldn't be able to make something like a die for reloading because that needs a, a level of uh integrity that you need steel for. But uh yes and no. Uh because there is I'll jump ahead in my, what I plan on talking about, but there is something called machinable wax, which you print it and then you cast it. So you take the machinable wax, you print the item that you want, then you use a lost uh, wax casting method, which basically means putting in something like a clay or a path, uh, plaster. Mm-hmm. You bake it so the wax runs out, then you then cast it with metal. Sort of like aluminum, right? That would aluminum actually be or steel, pretty easy yeah. to do. Like, steel would require right. a significant amount of forging uh, More heat, yes. But, but, but you could do aluminum easy. I mean, you could make enough absolutely. to melt aluminum with some cinder blocks. Right. That's and a, the thing about lost wax casting has always made it difficult is every cast you make destroys the yeah, mold. Yeah. But if you're able to just print a new, you know, the new uh, master and then you create a new mold around it by, by just using clay. Now, including all of a sudden your, it's. Including your, your, your pore access, right? Like you can yep, actually absolutely. set it. So it's perfect when you cut that off. Right. You know, with a grinder or whatever. Yep. Where yep. I was going is even with the plastic, though, things like. Uh, if you reload shot shells, mm-hmm. bushings are freaking expensive, and a bushing is just right. a cavity. So you right. can create custom bushings. I mean, don't blow yourself up or whatever, but right. like if you wanted a bushing you didn't have, one of the reasons I recommend the Lee Lodal, while it's not the best shotgun shell reloader, it comes with every bushing. And right. if you look at like Mac or uh, RCDS or some with shot shell reloading, a freaking bushing set is you know twenty bucks. And there's no mm-hmm. need, and it's aluminum and it's polished and yeah, well, there's no need for that. All it is is it just sits in there and just measures a specific amount of powder or shot. Right. So yeah, wow. Um, now one of my you know kind of first experiences with seeing 3D printing came from the great nerd show known as Big Bang Theory, and Rajin Rajin what's in Howard decided they right. were going to make dolls of themselves, so they had. This 3D printer, they sent like 10 grand on because they were, they were probably about that much back then. And they been. had this laser beam thing, like did a relief of their face and all. And I'm like, well, that's the money, right? That's even, even back then. That's, that's the expensive part, being able to like scan something and input it. So I think that's probably out of the question for most people, but maybe not. But um, how it's do you, actually, 
How do you make your own stuff, right? How do you like, oh, I want this thing. I know what I want it to look like and I want to design it. Like what kind of technology does that take? So there's a variety of of programs out there, but it's fundamentally some kind of CAD program. My recommendation, if you're learning and want to go produce value in yourself, you know, so learn a skill that's value is to learn Fusion 360, which is, if you remember AutoCAD, this is their latest offering of that. It is completely free to a hobbyist user with, they've just started putting in some restrictions uh, on it and mainly by how many uh, active uh, items you can be working on at once. I think it's 10 now. It's brand new, this change. Uh, but that's uh, something that if you then learn it and then want to go into where you can make a living at it uh, is probably the software you want to use. There's other ones out there that are free, uh, something called SCAD, Tinkercad. There's even some websites now that I don't recall their their name, but allows you to kind of work within the website and create uh, the the file yourself. So it fundamentally is uh, a, a CAD type experience that you have to learn. Uh, one thing that Thingiverse does have, though, that I've not went very far with is they actually have a modification tool. So some of the items are created in a way that they can be modified with under certain conditions, you know, certain limited modifications that you can do, usually scaling them up, scaling them down, some other things like that. But that is fundamentally where you need to go is uh, some kind of CAD program. So there's a learning curve there, but that, you know, the, there the is a learning, learning curve. curve is learning curves equal opportunities. Cause Absolutely. some people will go through a learning curve and some people won't go through a learning curve. And mm-hmm. that means that you have a, an opportunity, if you will, that others will. And I can see some interesting thoughts here. Like you mentioned net cups. So I pulled up net cups and I'm looking at them and you know, they are what they are, but I was thinking like park seeds makes this uh, seed starts really, really awesome. They have these really long um, sponge like things. Well, they have right. to be filled with some sort of uh, leaker or something like that to make it really work. But you could make a cup that was designed for that. Maybe had a bigger opening, but it, that went deeper. There's like right. so many things you could do with these slight modifications. And if you are not willing to do it, then I'm sure somebody Someone will do, do it for, for you for, for money. And that means if you'll learn to do it, that there's a side hustle. I mean, and Absolutely. I think that this is one of these places where how much you can make with side hustle depends on how creative you are. What can you do that other people just don't see the value in doing? Right. One thing that is not really well defined yet in the world of 3D printing is the whole, you know, pay for the item. There are yeah. some sites that, that you do that, but you know, there's no, there's no real copy protection in the file. So you can't really do that to be able to, uh, you know, be able to print it on your printer. So, you know, if you do work for someone for, you know, money, uh, assume that, you know, what you get from them is kind of one shot done. Yeah. Yeah. Because they could take that and then just print forever. I, I, you know, Jerry Ward's predictions, so take it for what you will. There will come a time where there'll be some kind of, of, uh, IP, uh, intellectual property things that could be built into a printer that you then pay for every time you print something. I don't know if that will catch on or not. Just there's so much free stuff available. I'm not sure why anyone would go that route, but it could certainly is very doable uh, as a future item. And so then you could create an, an object and every time it gets printed rather than relying on an honor system, you could actually, you know, register something and you could get yeah. a payment for that. That's not, not out there right now. I don't think that there's much of an issue and I don't know that they'll ever get to a point where like, you know, Jerry buys a thing to Jack fabricated for him and, 
you know, you could print 10 of them and then it goes away or something like that. Right. I, I don't know that people would be very open to that. What I right. do see happening is more along the lines of the type of copyright protection that exists for electronic books, where right. it's, you get it, you have it, but it makes it far more complicated for you to give it to somebody else. So as a designer, I wouldn't really – I would expect that if I made a custom thing for you that you're going to print as many as you want forever. What right. I would like – to protect my ability to make income is the ability to sell that product again to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the kind of thing I think you might see some sort of copy protection or something, you know. So yeah, these are unlimited, unlimited, you know, complex bell siphons. But if you want one, you've got to buy it. Right. One way to solve that would be to watermark the file so that if it does show up, you know, on various download sites, you can see who leaked it and go after them. But, I don't see that working now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just again, it's just so much is for available for free. Yeah. That I just don't. I mean, the market's going to be when someone wants something custom and it's kind of a you know one shot. I'll pay you X number of dollars to design this for me. So you know, that's the thing though. Like most of that stuff is not going to be something you sell a hundred times. <laughs> that's you know? the whole concept of three D printing. I only need a few. So yeah. So like the fact that I want something that fits something I built probably doesn't really help Jerry very much. But right. if I'm happy with you, I think that's what you might see is more of a kind of like a like a designer site, like a Fiverr for make for Thingiverse or something. You know. The, yeah. Yep. The, the, Jerry's really badass, and if you need something, you can get it from him. Yep. And I also think like if it's not a lot of money, people do value what other people do and if something's unique and it's not just generally available for free, I don't mind paying five, 10 bucks for a copy of that file. I, I mean, I bought, e-book, I bought eBooks that people gave me for free because I got so much out of them. I felt like the author deserved the $10. Right. And even the sites that I've seen where they charge the, the you know, the price points are $3, $5, mm-hmm. You know, a really complex a medieval village is maybe twenty. Uh, so the prices are, are very reasonable. So it's you know, point, why would you try to pirate something that costs so little? See, and I think that's like a lesson from history. Like whenever governments have taxed shit, but they've taxed it really, really low, nobody mm-hmm. nobody cares. Nobody gives right. a shit. Like everybody pays their tax. Everybody's like, what? It's you know, we're we're gonna sell a hundred dollars worth of merchandise, and there's a three dollar tax on it. Okay, fine. Yeah. When all of a sudden there's as much tax as there is money, like cigarettes in New York, then people get around the tax system. So I think that if this is to have legs, then it needs to stay cheap because, let's be honest, I might have a lot of work into something, but once it, it once, once we're to the point that I'm just reselling the same file, every time somebody new is printing one, I'm printing money. So I'll take yeah. my three bucks or my five bucks, especially if people start using, like, you know, SLP protocol cryptocurrency with this, I think then you really get somewhere. Cause I'm also then I'm not telling the government that I sold you a $3, you know, whatever. Right. Very cool, man. Um, yeah. One thing I'm also, I mentioned about creating you on, you mentioned the 3d scanners essentially. And yeah. those are actually also plummeting in price. Really? Uh, some people have started using the, uh, some of the things from the game controllers, like the Xbox uh, motion uh, sensor. So those things are also coming way down in price. Uh, because the the hardware needed to run them has is, is gotten a lot cheaper. So then the software, you know, you might have to run it on a desktop computer, but you know, everyone has one of those. So because that, 
that really starts to open the whole, I have my home repair shop, mm-hmm. right? Because if I have something that, that let's say, it, it, it's worn out or it cracked, well, I could super glue it together, and maybe that's not going to hold. I need a new one, but now I have a model. Now I can scan it. Now I can replace it, and it might be for something that, it's just, I can't get it any other way. Like, nobody makes yep. that individual part, or that part's been just, you know, you look at, I'm amazed at the parts you can get for guns that haven't been made for 100 years, for instance. Right. But there's a lot of stuff that, you know, somebody makes it, it works for, you know, they, it's on their market for t- five years. They discontinue it, come up with a new product. They don't stock parts for that shit. They design it to, to, to break. But then this gives you kind of right of repair, whether they believe in that or not. Yep. And then also with the CAD programs, if the part is kind of, uh, you know, a simple part, if you will, not a lot of complex curves or surfaces, you can even take a picture of it, load it into your CAD program and, and kind of trace it and then very quickly come up with, uh, you know, uh, uh, without needing to know the full, you know, CAD type level of full design from scratch. You basically start from the picture and trace it and, you know, and create a part that way. There's so. just so much. Yeah, you know, I'm an aquarium enthusiast, so I type aquarium in it, and just I, I, I'm kind of blown away at how much people have done. And these are all things that you will see yourself using in your everyday life, not gadgets and gasmos to to prove how cool you are that you printed it. Yeah, I'm going to tell Sal he needs to link to this site on his sales page because all his stuff is printing like you know Iron Man heads or shit like that, and it's because you know he's. He's a counter economics economics guy, yeah. so he's selling printers because you can go make your own guns. Um, right. But he can't directly say that, so right. he's showing the capability of the printer in printing these little gadgets and gizmos. But to me, this is far more utilitarian. Frankly, I have enough guns. I mean, I like the fact yeah. that I could learn to print, you know, some stuff and and use parts and build a Glock or whatever. But this is way more, way more uh, useful to me. Right now, I think this site actually is more along the lines of Sal's uh, philosophy because they basically you can tip the designer for all of these. So if you find something that man, this really you know saved my bacon. I had this real problem, and even like the guy that you know created my my two cell holder, I'll give him a tip. And so now that goes granted, Thingiverse takes a cut of it. That's how they support the site. But then yeah. the designers that create things that are really valued. They get tips from people. So. See, I like that as well. So instead of just, hey, this thing costs this much money, hey, I see value in what you do. So here's mm. here's five bucks. Right. Boy, that lends itself to cryptocurrency too. I don't know if the site uses that. Probably not. But that's like that's with with SL, what's called SLP protocol. You can you could do two cent tips if you wanted. And right. It would also allow like collaborative designers to be simultaneously all tipped together. So like you throw five bucks in and it goes to two to three different people. Yeah. So Thingiverse gets a buck and each of the other four yeah. designers gets a buck and you're yeah. done. Yeah, this is, wow, uh, it's just opening my mind a lot. Um, can you print, we kind of talked about this already, but can you do more than just plastic parts? Like are there other ways other than like the lost wax casting or? Uh, so the only other thing that I'm really aware of on a consumer level uh, device is they do sell laser engravers, which you basically replace the print head with a, a laser, and it will then you know create an image on on a surface. Uh, that's so that's something else you can do with it. Some of the printers out there, the more expensive ones, they'll actually have little mini CNC attachments that can go on it. But I'm not a fan of that because the amount of 
uh, torque that gets applied to the various rails and things when you're cutting metal versus, you know, squirting plastic out is so different. I'm not really a fan of that, but you could get one and, and play with it if you're, you know, machining really soft materials. Uh, but to me, the biggest, uh, you know, thing that, that this could go with is that casting, lost wax casting. I saw a YouTube video where a guy was making custom and they were cover plates for motorcycle. Uh, so like, for example, your brake fluid, uh, area has a cover plate on it. Well, he would replicate that and create like your name or your logo or anything you want on the surface of it, cast it in bronze and have it on there. And, you know, so, you know, that customization. And so that was really a cool idea, but that, that's to me going to be a lot of, of value that you could create if you wanted to do a business is that ability to create things in metal where you first 3D print it, then you can get the customer or the client's approval. Yeah, that's what I want. Then you, you know, uh, do a lost wax casting type thing. Very much. Uh, very cool. And I mean, that, if, if aluminum is sufficient, it opens it up really quick to being able to do that. Aluminum casting is one of the easier types of casting to do. And there's some ways that you can add a little strength with a very simple alloy process with aluminum as well. Um, that, that's, that's huge. I never even thought of that. And I've always looked at getting into casting, but the reason right. I didn't is exactly what you said. I Where do you get the mold? All this bullshit to carve this thing out of styrofoam or wax. And then it's gone. And then I got to make another one. And that, if I make it one thing, but I mean, like you get into bronze casting, you can start casting things like arrowheads. I mean, really, really yep. easily, including, you know, with bronze, that opens up kind of like a really cool custom jewelry market. I mean, there's all like, or a really cool custom jewelry market that's actually like a survival tool. Mm -hmm. And wow. I mean, like I said, you just sold, a, do you sell printers? Uh, I do not. Okay, good. I was going to feel bad. I was going to like, you just sold a printer for sale. I bet you sold 10 today for sale at least. Um, so, just as a side note there, a pitch for Sal Mayweather. He has a website called 3D Printer Go Burr, B-R-R-R. -R -R. He will sell you one with no KYC, uh, which I think as far as I know is the only one that you can buy no KYC. And you can buy it with cryptocurrency, so I'll, I'll include a link to that today as well. And I just texted him and said, if you don't freaking use this Thingiverse site to sell your printers, you hate money. <laughs> I, well, I texted him that when, when you while while you were talking there. It's interesting because he just did an episode with Nicole on her podcast on Friday about getting started with 3D printing. I didn't actually listen to it to make sure I, I haven't looked. yet either. Uh, and you know, have a crossover there. I'll go back and listen to it, see how much he and I align. But the printer that he recommends there, the Ender Three V2, is the one I also recommend as okay. getting started. Uh, uh, you can actually get it from Amazon for about three hundred. I see he sells it for three twenty five. If you're willing to wait for it to ship in from China, you can get it for about 270 but it could take up to six weeks of shipping, getting it directly from Creality, the vendor. Yeah. So, you know, whatever whatever choice you want to make. I know Sal is a big on the no KYC. Honestly, uh, I, I, it doesn't concern me at all. Sure. This is kind of one of the points I, I also want to talk about is how 3D printing really is an open source project. So even though you buy a 3D printer from someone, they're really just taking standard components and putting them together. So... You know, the rails that, that the Creality Ender 3 is made out of is the same extruded aluminum, uh, well, I forget what it's called, but it's, you know, the channel with the, that captures the nuts. You know, it's the same stuff that you can buy a hundred different places. Uh, the board is, they make their own board, 
but you can also swap it out with a, a aftermarket board. The stepper motors that run it are all standard stepper motors. Uh, so uh, the project, I, th- I think it's kind of like cryptocurrency. The cat's out of the bag. Uh, I don't see the government, you know, coming to put it back in. Of course, he has a different opinion on it. Yeah. That's, you know, certainly his right. It's just personally, I, I have zero concern about it. I Even, think uh, his is more, no one knows you own one. And I, yeah. I don't think it's about somebody coming and taking it away. I think it's about plausible deniability that you even have a capability. I think that's what he's doing. And I also think as an agorist, he just thinks you shouldn't have yeah. to be known to buy. Like, you should be able to own – I should be able to buy something from you. And if right. you have a trustless system with cryptocurrency, it should be nobody's business but yours and mine. And, frankly, I'm going to forget about you tomorrow if I'm right. sour because I hate money. Because if it's me, I'm going to know who the hell you are, and I'm going to – I'm going to follow up market to you, right? Right. But yep. I, I get where he's coming from, and uh, so it's it's up to people. I'll, I'll provide all the options. What is your thoughts about buying one out of China? Uh, I would not hesitate too much about buying one out of China uh, or directly from the manufacturer. Because Creality, that makes the Ender 3, you know, they're, they're cranking these out like crazy. They're one of the most popular entry-level ones out there. Uh, it's again, is the shipping time. It, and with the COVID and all these shipping delays we saw, you know, it, hey, it may take eight months. I'm not eight months, eight weeks, 10 weeks to come. And if you want to wait that long, it's worth saving 30 bucks to wait that long. Go right ahead. But for me personally, I wanted the traceability, trackability of it being shipped out of Amazon. So I was willing to pay the extra 25, 30 bucks to get it that way. So also we think about, uh, some people, you know, times past, if you, you know, buy it like a, for example, a tractor made in China, you know, so you can get parts. As I mentioned, these are all very standard parts. They're all metric, but they're very standard. Uh, the screws, you know, there's only a few different sizes and they all use the same ones. Uh, there's plenty of aftermarket parts available. You can replace everything on it. A guy I, I worked with had been doing upgrades over the years until he figured out he'd actually upgraded every single piece on the printer. He had all the parts. They put his original printer back together and have two. Hmm. So. Uh, you know, I, I would have, I have zero concern about buying this product out of China. My only concern about ordering it directly from the manufacturer was the shipping delays that we're seeing right now. So that's why I went with, uh, Amazon. So just real quick, you mentioned that you like the, the Endler, uh, three. Ender. Ender. E-N-D-E-R. Right. Ender three. And there's like a, a original. V2. V2. Right. Now, just real quick, Sal's also selling on his site a CR6SE. It's right. a little over a hundred dollars more. It's a bigger print volume, volume, okay. so bigger parts. But that's the big difference then. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, what about DIYing a printer, like doing your own? You kind of mentioned like using one printer to make another printer. Right. So the, this consumer level three printing actually started as an open source project. Uh, the it was called Riprap, uh, where you can actually reproduce a 3d printer uh but the catch was that originally you have to start with a 3d printer because some parts were 3d printed but then other people figured out ways to actually kind of bootstrap it where you could order you know stepper motors and controller boards and stuff and threaded rod acne rod type stuff and actually completely build a 3d printer then you would you know use it uh, it would be very limited but you would print a few parts and that would increase its uh, capability so this whole project started that way so if you wanted to you could actually the RipRap site is out there. They have uh, tutorials on a bunch of different models. Some of them are even virtually replicates of some of the uh, commercial models, and you know they don't go after them because it's really there's nothing to 
to copyright being an open source uh, thing, the value that a company like Ender gets is they're able to, you know, they buy the materials in bulk, they chop it into the pieces needed, they thread the holes that need to be threaded. Uh, so you save a lot of time by buying one pre-made, but you could certainly DIY it yourself. Or if it does something, if you want something that it doesn't do, uh, certainly you can then extend uh, the item to, to do what you want. There's lots of accessories. Uh, people go crazy with printing things for their 3D printer. <laughs> You'll see it because, uh, you know, they'll be all weird different colors rather than the, than the colors that you expect a manufactured item to have. But there's also a company, uh, not really a company, but a guy, an engineering guy that created uh, something called Mostly Printed CNC. So you can actually make yourself a CNC machine by, with 3D printed parts if you want to get, move into CNC as well. Yeah, that's that's freaking cool. That starts to open up like setting up a whole little manufacturing facility in your uh, in your garage. Um, yeah, absolutely. So CNC, you're talking? Are you talking about like metal fabrication there? You yeah. So so CNC, so 3D printing is what they call additive manufacturing, where you make the part by adding material yeah. uh, to a build plate. CNC is subtractive manufacturing. You start with a, a build of metal or plastic if you want, and you subtract material until you get to the part you want. And so the, the two opposites uh, of almost the same thing, if you will. And if you learn those CAD skills we mentioned earlier, that they would apply also then to CNC. So you get into a CNC machine, you can use the CAD program, and it would create the uh, the part via subtractive manufacturing rather than additive. And would you call, like, I've seen it done with, like, printed, like, guess, files and then in a reductive type process using, like, a sheet of plywood as well. That would also be Yeah, CNC. right. Yep, yep. That's, so yeah, and that's one of the things I want to. That's one of my goals is to build a, a CNC router. They call it, and it would be able to take a full sheet of plywood and cut down and make parts. That's uh, so actually that's, badass. Like that. So then you've got this one device that becomes like the heart of your system that allows you to make another device. What about mm-hmm. this? Like, so I know you can print parts for a three D printer, and right. that means if a part breaks in your three D printer, you can print the replacement. Except that the printer's broken, it can't broken. print the replacement, right? So, right. are there any like parts that most commonly break or wear out in a 3D printer? That like one of the first things you could do is print them and put them on the shelf as a spare, and that way you you see what I'm saying? Because otherwise, yep, there's a cart before the horse type thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a couple of things to think about there. One is, you know, do you have a friend that's a 3D printer? Which I do, so that would okay. solve the problem one way. Also, the, the Ender 3 printer that I recommend doesn't have a, a lot of plastic parts. It's very simple. Okay. The parts that, you know, they're aluminum extruded uh, frame. That's uh, You have stepper motors. Yeah, you have stepper motors, which if they break, you got to buy a new one. Uh, the one thing I would probably recommend someone do is buy a new, what they call a hot end. So that's the piece where the, the material is actually heated up and extruded. Okay. If you get a bad enough plug up in that, it's extremely difficult to, to clear it because the nozzle is very fine. You know, fractions of a millimeter is okay. the diameter. Uh, so, you know, for me, I, I bought the 3D printer. I then ordered an extra hot end just out of China. It took you know, six weeks to get here, but I now have it on the shelf. Uh, the other piece that a lot of people are upgrading is the actual uh, extruder motor. So that's the part that pushes the filament. Uh, so uh, you might... A little assembly there, you might uh, get that. There's a lot of options also available to make things easier. The one popular one is called a BL Touch. Uh, so it actually is a sensor that attaches to your print head and goes around and touches the build plate, which is what the, the material gets squirted out onto. That has to be level. Uh, and if you have a warped plate, it can cause problems. And, and this uh, 
through software by doing this uh, sensing. It'll go through and measure all around the plate. And it'll, if you have a warp, it'll compensate in software. So those are some options that are nice ones to, to think about adding uh, right away. But it, you know, it's one of those things where you get started on all the accessories that you can you know, buy and add and change and upgrade uh, really can get you going. And I do think I want to I want to back up a little bit on the strength of, of plastic. It, what I was thinking about when you were saying that, but I I, I didn't mention it because we got off on something else. Was years ago, I'm saying ten ish years ago, Ruger on like the most popular long gun on the planet, the 1022, stopped using a metal trigger guard and went to a plastic trigger guard, mm-hmm. and the interwebs went freaking batshit crazy. Like, oh my god, it's cheap Chinese garbage. Blah, blah, blah. So. Ruger came out with this video, and it just shut it all down. They took an old-school trigger guard, and they set the gun upside down with the trigger guard up, and they put, like, a, a rod there, and they took, like, a five-pound barbell plate, and they dropped it down the rod. And it hit the freaking trigger guard. It just smashed it, right? Because it was like aluminum right. or something. So yeah. then they put their new plastic one on there. They dropped the freaking weight, and the weight bounced off of it. Yeah, well, some of the strength that plastic has over cast metal is cast metal can be brittle, whereas yeah. plastic will take that impact and give a little bit enough uh, that it won't break. So it has different strength properties than metal. But you know, I I go back to think of how many things in your life are made out of plastic. plastic. If they're well made, you have no trouble with them. You know, they they last for years and years and years. Uh, so, and what is the function of that thing? Like, what is it supposed to do for you? I mean, that's. It, Especially if it's right. a wearable item. Yeah. So if you want something with a soft face on it that will not damage the parts you're clamping, for example, you want an item that's softer and wears away. And to be able to easily replace it with a printer, then, you know, is nice. So is there anything besides your battery holders that you've made for yourself that, like, you just, like, you wouldn't be able to get that if you didn't have a 3D printer or have somebody that did it for you? So I, I know it's a point of contention with you, but uh, think about mass. Uh, in the recent uh, things that went on. Now, when we, early on, we didn't know what it was that, that was required. Well, within days, there were uh, things available. You can 3D print your own mask uh, combination, you know, either the filtration that would use uh, you know, like a coffee filter or some other media to filter out. Okay. Uh, there's some of them. The, my favorite one, it actually uses a sheet of, of plastic, like transparency plastic that you get eight and a half by 11. Yeah. And so you can print out the print out the little headband thing, stick the plastic in. And now you have a, a mask. Uh, they have them that will clip to your ball cap, for example. So those are items, you know, it, it's up for debate, and I, I know you have an opinion on it, whether it's needed or not right now. But it's if needed it was, in some places because they won't yeah, let you right, in without it, right? Right, right. But you can imagine a scenario where it, it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that, doubt that you really needed this to keep yourself safe. I can have one printed in, you know, a couple hours. Uh, so that's a case where when something becomes, for whatever reason, becomes in high demand, you can't get it. You know, Amazon doesn't have it. You can't buy it no matter how much money you have. With Usually within, you know, like I said, days, something shows up on Thingiverse that you can print it yourself. So it kind of gives you some of that uh, insurance that if supply chains ever get severely disrupted and you need one of these things, you know, all you need is filament, which a spool of filament, you know, will last forever. So you just have a few of those in uh on hand and uh you can create something that when you need it no that, that makes sense i also saw like for masks one of the things that was featured was uh 
like a thing that basically you take a regular mask and it just kind of keeps it off your face and makes it a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, right. that's an example of just something you can do that you, you just wouldn't be able to do. Like, no one makes that thing. They have the thing that looks like the dog's going to shame now. I saw advertising on Fox News. I guess that's clear plastic. If you want to wear that, go ahead. But there's, there's like, a lot of different little cool things. And, uh, man, this was actually more informational than I thought it would be. Um I've re- I really gleaned a lot from this, from this conversation, and it's going to make me a new 3D printer uh, owner. Um, what would you maybe say is kind of the first thing somebody should do with the 3D printer? Like, you get your shiny new printer in a box, and you want to get it set up. Is there any place you can go to help you with that setup process? Is it so easy that even I can do it? I mean, uh, there is. It takes a little while to learn how to use a 3D printer, so you have to learn how to do bed leveling. You have to uh, every filament uh, could be different about what temperature prints correctly. So there are different uh, calibration things uh, that you uh, can run uh, to try to uh, get really kind of tweak it and dial it in. So you got you got to you know got to go that route. Uh, there's a lot of articles on the internet about that, um, but you just kind of take your model number and do some searches for calibration and kind of find the one find the ones that speak to you, as it were. Um, but it is surprising how well, you know, a 3D printer, you, you can't, you think about this plastic squirting out, it actually is able to do fairly significant overhangs. That means there's nothing beneath it as it's printing it, as it, as it were, because there's a fan that actually blows on it. So as soon as it squirts out, it cools it down, and so you can print uh, things that, with cavities and, and various things. So it just takes a while to learn to do that, and that's getting back to the, you know, 3D printing a gun uh, subject. Um you know, it's not a case where you can buy a printer, and even if you had all the files, you'd just be able to print one tomorrow. It, there is a learning curve in learning how to, to produce well print, uh, good prints that hold up well, that don't warp, and all these other things. So, you know, in smaller items, it's much easier than start talking about complexities of a of a gun or other items. Some things that are really cool, they call them a print in place, which are items that have moving parts, and they print the clearances and everything are printed as part of it. So like a pair of pliers, for example, that work just as as they're printed. You don't have to assemble them. Okay. So a lot of that type of stuff is, is really cool, but it does take some time just working with it, learning your printer and learning the filament you have. You know, things even like humidity levels can change uh, how things come out. So a lot of that uh, just takes some time to learn. So, you know, it is a, a hobby, if you will, that you got to put some time in to, to get it to work well for you. Now that we take... You mentioned leveling, like that CR6SE that's more expensive. Um, mm-hmm. That says it's self-leveling. Is that probably worth the money to get something that's self-leveling, or does self-leveling not actually self-level? <laughs> um, well, in, in my opinion, uh, the BL Touch is about $35. It's an add-on to, the, to a lot of different printers, but the Ender 3 uh, will we'll take that. You add it on. It does take a little bit of skill. You're going to run some wire and plug yeah. it into the motherboard, but uh, you – the firmware supports it, so then what it does is you tell it to to do an auto level, and it goes around, I think, 16 different places on the bed, and it touches it to figure out what the level is. I mean, you have to be close to start with, but rather than, you know, spend... The, the nice thing about the V2 on the Ender 3 is that's what it calls the uh, silent motherboards. Stepper motors are much quieter on that based on the way that they're driven okay. than the older models. So I'm not that familiar with the CR6 uh, to know, but I know the the V2 has the newest uh, motherboard that has the newest stepper motor drivers, and it's a lot quieter than older printers. Okay, cool, 
Cool. But he's putting an outbuilding, I guess it doesn't matter. So. Do you, do you have any other resources besides Thingiverse maybe for people to check out? Um, I think there's one called All 3D Printing. Uh, I'll have to look it up and send it to you. But, uh, and I don't have, I've, it's all, all3dp.com has a lot of good articles. Okay. Um, I found it, so I'll make sure I put yeah. the show notes. But I, I've always found you just search the subject you're interested in, maybe throw in the printer name that you have, and then you can, uh, uh you know, do that. One thing that we haven't talked about is you do need something called slicing software. So okay. that takes the CAD file and it creates all the different layers and the tool paths and stuff. The, uh, what's considered the best one out there by, you know, the internet is Cura, C-U-R-A. It's also free. Uh, you just download it. And so you, when you use that software, you take the file you download from Thingiverse, you put it into the Cura software and it, it creates the actual G code, which is the, uh, the information that the 3D printer actually needs. You do things like set the, uh, print temperature and bed temperature, uh, you know, different things that you want to do. So you do have to slice the model that you get, and then you create that uh, uh, file. Another option I'll now, mention. Now, hold on. I want to make sure I understand oh, that. Sir. So the Cura slicing software, is that for me if I am making something? Or, like, if I buy a file from somebody, am I still going to need to kind of dick around with that? Usually you still need to slice it because the slicing is very – uh, individual to your printer. Okay. But all you do is you put in, you know, like for example, you know, it has defaults for all the common printers. So it needs to know like your nozzle diameter. Uh, you put in, depending on different filaments, you get different print temperatures. So there's PLA filament, there's PTEG filament, there's ABS filament. There's also some flexible filaments. Those all require different uh, temperatures to actually print that. So you put that information in. And so that it's, it's not like you have to make a lot of adjustments per se to the, not to the actual file, but it's, it's specific to your printer and the filament that you're using. And so that's that's what that's for. Okay, that's I just thought of I, something really that I, I, as a computer person, I would should have thought of right from the beginning. Are these printers like network devices, or do I need to, like, if I have this set up in my garage, do I need to, you know, truck out there with my laptop to be able to print something? Uh, so most of them... Are you put the file on a micro SD card and you take it out there and you plug it in and then going through the menu on the device, you select it and then you print it. Uh, but that does lead to my other recommendation is there is a add on called OctoPrint, O C T O print. And you can put it on a Raspberry Pi. You plug that directly into the printer and then all of a sudden you can run your printer from a web browser anywhere on your network. So you can upload the file and start the print. Uh, so it's, it's really nice uh, to be able to do that rather than, you know, sneaker netting the uh, SD card back and forth. Okay. There are some cautions about not leaving a printer completely unattended because uh, you are talking about heat yeah. and plastic. Um, so there's plenty of pictures on the Internet where something failed early in the print. You got this little, you know, thin spaghetti all over the place because it, <laughs> it didn't stick. So it is something that you, you know, you put it on your, you know, wife's kitchen table, and then it goes onto the carpet and melted plastic. You're going to be in trouble. If you're going to shop it, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be concerned. But I'd be much happier with it in the garage then, though, because yep. that, that <laughs> it's concrete floor, baby. I can get yep. it off of there real easy. Right, and that's why I recommend that OctoPrint with the Raspberry Pi, because then you can monitor it from anywhere on your network, you know, your cell phone or your computer. You pull up the web page of the 
based on the IP address of the Raspberry Pi. It'll give you a bunch of statistics about what's going on. You can also then add a camera to it so you can watch your print uh, as it goes. So that's, that's kind of the second level, but one I would recommend moving to early on is the OctoPrint as an option. Very cool, man. Well, hey, um, like I said, this was a very informative interview, and it's got me excited about becoming a new owner of a printer. I'm sure it'll be a while before I'm really good with it, but uh, I, I I think this is probably one of the more informational uh, interviews we've done this year. So, Jerry, I really thank you uh, for being here with us. Do you have a website of your own you want to pimp or anything like that? Uh, well, actually, I have one of your websites. I'm, I'm, I hold uh, SaveOurSkills.com. I've uh, kept it kind of active and alive and not real active. And so I'm actually calling out looking for some people that are willing to contribute content. I realize that my strength isn't so much generating the content. It is, you know, kind of the back end stuff of keeping this or everything updated, managing the website, that kind of thing. So if uh, people are interested in, uh, you know, relaunching saveourskills.com and, and get some content creators, I would love to, to partner with them and manage, I would manage the site and, and kind of just get some people that are willing to contribute content. Uh, I would love that. I also have jerryward.net, which there's not a lot there, but uh, that's my more computer professional um, scrum master product manager type stuff that I do there. Well, I will put links to all of that stuff in the show notes today. And I forgot that, yeah, years ago I turned that over to you, uh, Saver Skills. Uh, Actually, you turned it over to Nick Ledoux first. And, and then he turned let it over to you. Cause to he you, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Cool. So cool, I, I kept it alive, uh, not necessarily as active as I would like it, but it is still there. The website responds. Keep WordPress up to date and add content occasionally. Very cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for being with us today, and uh, thanks for all the information. Like I said, I'll make sure all the resources you gave her in the show notes today. My pleasure. All right, well, like I said, I have links to everything in the show notes today. Another little call out here for considering buying your printer from Sal the Agorist. Um, I, I've got links to where you can find the same two printers um, at Amazon. They do cost a little bit less. It's not a huge amount. It's not going to change your life. Just want to remind you guys, Sal is awesome. He'll sell you a printer without knowing who you are. There is value in that. Uh, he's also going to accept cryptocurrency. For a lot of you guys, that's really great. You can do a direct crypto-to-crypto -crypto transfer. And, of course, uh, independent people cannot compete with Amazon.com. So it's up to you either way. But... Uh, you know, it's there's either option, and I think it depends on what you value more. But you can check it out. I've got all 3D printing. Uh, I've got some latest information I'm drilled down to on all 3D printing about printed guns, including a lot of people going to jail for it. So that you, uh, you if you make any decisions about that, you can be smart about your decisions. Uh, links to Sal's side. I got links to Thingiverse. That is the one. I, I, I texted Sal in the middle of this and said, if you don't put that on your site so people see what they can do, you hate money. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't hate money because I really think that can help sell. It sold me. It was just looking at what I can, like, okay, these are the, these are the things that I can do with this that bring value to my life. It's awesome stuff, man. Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you that you can help support this show by doing a couple different things. One is by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. Remember this week we are doing a sale. The discount code is this bullshit. That's right, this bullshit. And what that came from is that in Texas, no one says COVID. Nobody says lockdowns. Nobody says pandemic. No one says any of that. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but no one does. You know what people say? 
they say, with all this bullshit going on. So um, I, I just happened to put that on on Parlor. It got a lot of traction. I thought that'd be fun. So you can get a discount on MSB for the, the next week using the discount codes, one word, all lowercase, this bullshit. You shouldn't forget that. 40% off any membership term. So you can use it on monthly. You can use it on a, on a, uh, a quarterly. You can use it on a six-month, or you can use it annually which is the most popular membership people have is, is annual. Uh, I, on the annual membership, that takes you down to 30 bucks from 50 It's pretty cool. Uh, check it out today. Join the Member Support Brigade. Just go to survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. Additionally, you can help us out by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day is one I've brought around a lot in the past. I haven't brought it around for quite a few months, though. Uh, it's the Winchester 51-piece gunsmith screwdriver set. It is a great little gunsmithing screwdriver set. I mean, it's not super high-end equipment, but it's 15 bucks and some pocket change for this set. It's got 50 different bits that have ever been known to man, but it's got most of the ones that you're ever going to need. It is a great little tool to keep in your range bag or with your smithing kit or, or what have you. Uh, but I have one like in the glove box of my truck. I have one in the uh, little storage space in the back of my, uh, my, my Dodge Challenger. Uh, this is the kind of thing, like, it's always there, it's so inexpensive, it's well-organized, it is a good little tool set. Uh, I have sold through my affiliate link literally thousands of these in the years that I've, I've recommended it. Thousands. Thousands. I haven't had a single person complain about it. And I guess, you know, when you're buying something like this, if it works at all for 15 bucks, you get your money out of it. The first time you need something like a, a you know, a star bit or a, a square tip bit or something that you wouldn't have had and you have it and it gets your butt out of a bind, guess what? You'll be like, okay, this was worth 15 bucks. Check it out. This is also, you know, we're heading into Christmas time. This is a great little stocking stuffer or small gift item for anybody that is into guns. Fishing, because you know, fishing. There's all kinds of little crap that you have to deal with from time to time when you when you're a fisherman. Um, but anybody, that, anybody really. I mean, but anybody that does any kind of handyman work, anybody that does any kind of that would fix something for themselves is going to like having this little kit around. It fits in a drawer, fits in a you know like a cargo pocket. It's it just it's a great set. The Winchester 51 piece gunsmith screwdriver set item of the day. You can find it at tspaz.com. If you were on the Daily Mail or the Telegram channel, you would get it. Uh, if you want to know more about how to stay in touch with TSP, go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Get Social. All the ways you can do that there. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day today. And I went back to my own music again. I, I, I'm i going to have to talk to John Adam about maybe uh, having him just start over because the, the, the list that I have from the past is... I'm not feeling the music on it, just to be honest. Um, but that's not why I picked my own song today. I... Uh, as we were doing this, there was just one song that just keep ra kept rattling in my head. Every time I was looking at a little gizmo I could print or a little part of something I could make. And it's not really the same, but it's the same. Because it's so old, you know, 3D printing wasn't even an idea, I don't think, when this song came out. From the man in black himself, Johnny Cash. You have to know what it is now. One piece at a time. Yep, one piece at a time. Old Johnny carried out all the little pieces he needed and some of the big ones to build his own car. As a, as a line worker at GM, of course, this song is a work of fiction, but it's uh, it's one of those great old songs that always makes you smile, at least it does for me with that. It's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry. Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black. One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man. I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand. Now getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You know it's me when I come through your town. I'm gonna ride around in style, I'm gonna drive everybody wild, cause I'll have the only one there is around. So the very next day when I punched in with my big lunchbox and with help from my friend, I left that day with a lunchbox full of gear. I've never considered myself a thief, but GM wouldn't miss just one little piece, especially if I strung it out over several years. The first day I got me a fuel pump, and the next day I got me an engine and a trunk. Then I got me a transmission and all the chrome. The little things I could get in my big lunchbox, like nuts and bolts and all four shocks, but the big stuff we snuck out my buddy's mobile home. Now up to now my plan went all right till we tried to put it all together one night, and that's when we noticed that something was definitely wrong. The transmission was a 53, and the motor turned out to be a 73, and when we tried to put in the bolts, all the holes were gone. So we drilled it out so that it would fit, and with a little bit of help from an adapter kit, we had that engine running just like a song. Now the headlights, there was another sight. We had two on the left and one on the right, but when we pulled out the switch, all three of them come on. The back end looked kind of funny too, but we put it together and when we got through, well that's when we noticed that we only had one tail fin. About that time my wife walked out and I could see in her eyes that she had her doubts, but she opened the door and said, honey, take me for a spin. So we drove uptown just to get the tags and I headed to ride on down main drag. I could hear everybody laughing for blocks around. But up there at the courthouse, they didn't laugh, cause to type it up, it took the whole staff. And when they got through, the title weighed 60 pounds. I got it one piece at a time, and it didn't cost me a dime. You'll know it's me when I come through your town. I'm gonna ride around in style, I'm gonna drive everybody wild. Cause I'll have the only one there is around. Yeah, Red Rider, this is the Cottonmouth in the Psycho Billy Cadillac. Come on. Paul. Oh, this is the Cottonmouth, and negatory on the cost of this machine there, Red Rider. You might say I went right up to the factory and picked it up. It's cheaper that way. Uh, what model is it? Well, it's a 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59 automobile. It's a 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65.